Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Sister Mason was singing, I feel the rain. So I just took her lead. He wasn't playing, I feel the rain. But there were parts of it that sounded similar to I feel the rain. And that happens. But we sang it anyway. Amen. We sang it. He just followed along with us so good. Amen like that. Appreciate him for it. Amen. Thank you, Sister Mason, for leading us into that. Amen. Praise the Lord. You just never know what's going to happen at church. You'll sing songs you didn't plan on singing. That's true. That song tonight that he wrote, I'm, I'm guaranteed is one of them. Didn't plan on singing that tonight. I sang it this evening. Couldn't help but think, uh, Sister McGee was going back through all those journal entries and talking about how the Lord spoke that he'd sent an angel and anytime things kind of got topsy-turvy there in life, uh, after the miscarriage that she would just remember that the Lord had spoke that he had sent an angel beside her. It made me think, Bishop, about the Apostle Paul whenever he was on that ship that was just coming apart at the seams, literally, that he addressed everybody that was up on that ship, and he said, an angel of the Lord stood by me this night. Basically told them, we're going to lose this whole ship. There's going to be broken pieces scattered all over the ocean. He said, but there's not going to be one life lost. Just because the angel of the Lord came by and stood by him that night. Honey, I'm telling you tonight, you can look at scattered pieces on the water. But your soul is going to be maintained. Everything around your circumstances can just totally just implode on t- as oft times they do. There's something about having the angel of the Lord or just even the spirit of the Lord give a reassurance that it's going to be all right in the midst of it all. It's going to be all right in the midst of it all. Amen. If you can stand with me, I'll hold you short. Famous last words, they say. I'll hold you short. Amen. I want to read from Proverbs chapter number five. Just a few verses there. And... Uh, give you what I felt like in my morning prayer and devotion that uh, was laid on my spirit this week and so I'll share that and we'll move on cover your prayers for next weekend uh, Sister McGee and I are going to be gone again she's going one way I'm going the other she's going to be in Texas in prison ministry with a mommy and me conference where kids are allowed to come to the conference of their inmates kids are allowed to come to the conference so it's going to be something we've never done before so she's going to be down there and i'm going to be in ohio ministering at their fall conference and a church in ohio uh, over the weekend so pray for us for traveling mercies and strength and guidance amen with the lord Uh, as we do these things don't ever take it for granted uh, when we have an opportunity to speak into the life of people uh, whether it's here or whether it's there uh, other places and so want the help of the Holy Ghost Proverbs chapter number five and just the first five verses just two disclaimers as I read this I'm not just talking to men okay and uh, 
it has application beyond just the male species, okay? All right. Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 5. My son, Solomon's here, one of his Proverbs, uh, Scripture, I think it says Solomon had a thousand and one Proverbs that are written, Scripture says. He says, My son, attend to my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of hell. Her lips like the honeycomb. But her end and notably the ones that participate in with her end is bitter wood, sharp as a two-edged sword. The help of the Holy Ghost and with the help of you all for a short time. I know we've already worshipped a lot. I want to minister this. Commit to the fight. Commit to the fight. Amen. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for the spirit of the Holy Ghost that we have felt, Lord, already. Lord, songs. Lord, the ministry, Lord Jesus, of your spirit, God, in individual lives, prayers, God, that have been prayed as people have joined around people and have prayed with them and encouraged them. And Lord God, just been a voice, Lord Jesus, of, of reason and, and blessing, God, in their lives. I pray now, God, we want to accompany that, Lord, with your word right now, God, that it would have a perfect place, Jesus, in our lives as well, that it could speak and minister, Father, as you would see fit and will not fail to thank you you and praise you lord for what you do father through your word in the lovely name of the lord jesus christ that i pray amen and amen the church say amen amen you may be seated tonight in jesus name commit commit to the fight the book of proverbs conveys to us throughout the chapters that are written 31 chapters in the book of proverbs you've heard me all time say it's a good book to accompany your Bible reading every month, Proverbs that are practical and good for our lives. But in the book of Proverbs, it speaks of two different women that are presented in the scriptures of Proverbs. The Bible speaks of uh, quite uh, extensively of both of these women uh, at different places throughout the book. It doesn't like just talk about them all in just one setting, but it's dispersed at different places throughout the book about these two ladies. There, or I call one more a woman, the other one a lady. It seems like when you make mention of the term lady, that signifies more class and, and uh, so on and so forth, just a different type of demeanor. And one of them notably is Lady Wisdom, and another one is what I'm going to call tonight Woman Folly. There is Lady Wisdom and Woman Folly that is spoken of uh, in the Proverbs. Lady Wisdom, according to Proverbs, she is characterized with traits as being a very precious thing. Lady Wisdom is a very precious thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that nothing can compare to her. 
It personifies wisdom as being in the female gender, that nothing can compare to her. There's not anything like her. There's no comparison to her. As the Bible describes in Proverbs, it describes lady wisdom as one that will watch over you, that if you associate yourself with her, if you take her into your life, that she will watch over you and that she will, even to the degree, she will guard you. She will keep your footsteps. She will keep your paths. She'll make everything proper and right. In one place of Proverbs chapter number three, it even speaks of lady wisdom as being the tree of life. I mean, what what greater association could you associate with this woman than being the tree of life that we find in the Garden of Eden and actually in heaven someday? Both is spoken in these regards, a place of paradise at both ends of the spectrum of time, the beginning and the very end, this tree of life. And Lady Wisdom is characterized, is spoken of as that tree of life. However, contrary to the woman or the lady of wisdom is the woman of folly. She is characterized as an adulterous woman. She is characterized in the book of Proverbs as a godless lady, an immoral lady. She, the Bible describes her as one that forgets her covenant with God. She, she doesn't remember any type of commitments or covenants that she has made with the Lord. As a matter of fact, in our scripture text, the Bible speaks of her as being a strange woman. A strange woman, which alludes to the fact that this lady uh, uh, is probably a woman that has a religion that's without God or the God of Israel or perhaps has no religious experience altogether. She is a strange woman. She is a woman of folly, a woman of godlessness and immorality. She considers not the outcome of her actions. Book of Proverbs seems to describe her to be such a lady that she lives her life and she isn't concerned with what the consequences of the life that she has lived is going to be. She's not worried about the destiny that the path that she is on. She's not worried about what that destiny is going to be if she maintains the path that she has. She, her outcome, she's not worried about that. The actions that she takes, she's not worried about the consequences. As a matter of fact, the Bible seems to describe her as being very shameless about her sin, very shameless about her activity and her actions. Both of these women in Proverbs are women that pursue men. There are women that pursue men. As a matter of fact, anytime you read of Lady Wisdom or you read of this woman of folly, they are constantly calling out to the men that are passing by. They are heralding their voice. They're trying to get their attention. They are trying, if you will, to talk them into the path that they are on. They are constantly trying to persuade them. They are urging them to follow their path. A woman folly is constantly trying to find followers to follow her path that she is on. Though she doesn't really care about what the destiny is and what the outcome is going to be. She wants a group of people, of men, as is portrayed in the scripture, to follow along with her. But wisdom at the same time is hollering to them also not to be simple-minded. Not to be so soon taken by the voice of woman folly, but rather follow her. Because why? She's one that will watch over them and guard them. And she is one that has kept her covenant with God. For all things, folks, she is even described as the tree of life. So she's trying to persuade men. But these two women in the book of Proverbs in reality are nothing but proverbs or metaphors for two ways and two paths of our lives. 
Notice there's only two women that uh, are metaphors for two paths in life. There's not a third lady that you ever see introduced into Proverbs. There's only two because in essence, there are only two paths in life. There are only two quote unquote ladies or women in life. Amen. This poetic language of Proverbs and Proverbs is that it's very poetic in its speech. It's very suitable for what it teaches in the book and it teaches many things, sundry things. But Solomon in particular, as he does throughout the problem, Proverbs, he addresses his son and he's telling his son and he's trying to teach his son some lessons. And so these are very meaningful in that he's trying to do that. And it's meaningful, again, not just for men. What you read whenever he addresses, uh, it seems like a man in Proverbs. It's meaningful for men and women alike. It's meaningful for us all. When he speaks of these two women, the outcomes, the destinies of their two paths and two lives are vastly different. Both of these women pursuing men one of them their path leads unto life and the other their path leads unto death one of these ladies is quite spiritual while the other lady is quite carnal she is sensual as the bible describes her she is seductive as the bible describes her there's a certain aspect of both these ladies spoken of in proverbs there's certain aspects of their beauty that each of them possess a certain aspect or, or trait of beauty both of them do they call those who pass by they attempt to get the attention of anyone that will listen or give them the time of day lady wisdom though in her speech and her plea to mankind she often warns about the other lady lady wisdom often warns about the woman of folly amen and her antics she often exposes how things will end if instead of choosing me, you choose a woman folly. She contrasts, amen, what woman folly has to offer with all the perks that she has to offer, knowing her and following her. She tells them that they need to hear. That She tells them, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to understand. She's unlike woman folly. Woman folly, oftentimes are telling the passerbyers what they want to hear, but Lady Wisdom is telling them what they need to hear. Uh, woman folly is really just tickling the earlobes of whoever is passing by. She is, she is, if you will, capitalizing upon their desires, their wants, uh, uh, their own ambitions, but Lady Wisdom is not on the side of trying to just to scratch where their itch is. She is trying to admonish them what they need to hear, what is right, that they need to consider the end of the path that they are on. Can someone say Amen. Woman folly appeals to man's appetites, as as First John would tell us. We understand those things that we are up against in the world. The Bible says it's the lust of the flesh, and it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life. Woman folly is dangling all of those type of things before the eyes of those that passes by her. She allures him, and she preys upon their desires and their wants. Solomon is warning his son. He says very plainly. He says, son, you, you got to be careful about the lips of this strange woman because her lips drop as honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Amen. We understand. Amen. What Solomon is saying. Scripture is the best interpretation of Scripture. And when we look in Scripture, Scripture of Proverbs 16 and verse 25 tells us that pleasant words are as a honeycomb. 
He says, you got to watch the lips of this woman of folly because her lips are dripping as the honeycomb. She's speaking pleasant words. She's speaking pleasant words with an ulterior motive, son. She's speaking words that are kind and that are generous and that are pleasant. She is praying upon you if you allow her to by speaking words that are pleasant to your desires or just by her mouth, just by what she says. She is influencing you. She knows what you want to hear. For that matter, if you don't even want to hear it, she can influence you with her words. Not only that, if I can say tonight, she is, son, this is what's happening. She is imitating the real thing. Stay here with me for a moment. I got a point. She's imitating the real thing. She's parading pleasant words because those are commonly found somewhere else. Son, those pleasant words are commonly found from your wife. Note now, Song of Solomon 4 and verse 11. Solomon was saying concerning his beloved, he said, thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. He says, son, be careful because she's imitating the real thing. You're to be one with your spouse. You're to be one with your bride and she's coming along and there's words, pleasant words and there's influential words that's dropping from her mouth as well and so you gotta be careful about this. She wants you to think that you can find the same thing in her that you found in your spouse. She attempts to convince the men along her path that there's no difference between the lady wisdom path and the woman of folly path. Solomon provides a little contrast for her son. You gotta watch out from that. She's just an imitation of the real thing. Remember, these ladies are more than just ladies. They're the two paths of life. They're the two paths of life and options that we have in this life. And if we're not careful, sometimes the voice and the influences, if you will, of one path will be nothing but a cheap imitation of the real path, of the heavenly path, the godly path. And what they're trying to do is just imitate the real thing of pleasant words to try to make us think that we'll get the same thing from this path that we will from this path when it's not at all the truth. And Solomon is trying to convey this to his son. He says, listen, her here. He says, her lips drop as honeycomb. Her, her mouth is smoother than oil. Amen. But whenever it's all said and done, look at this contrast, son. Her end, her end is as bitter as wormwood. It's not as it appears it will be. Her beginning is pleasant, but the end is bitter. The the beginning is sweet, but the end is bitter. The beginning is all just sunshine and roses, but the end thereof is destruction and dismay. It's not what it appears to be. He says her end is bitter as wormwood, but something you must understand, son. I'm not just talking about her end, but I'm talking about the end of anybody that would associate with her. The end of anybody that would involve himself in her. Her end becomes their end. Her experience becomes their experience. The Bible says not alone was her end the bitter as wormwood. It says she, her end, that experience of the end was sharp as a two-edged sword. But it all ends. It's all for those that are involved with her, that's yoked up with her, that's followed her urging, her influential voice. They all are going to be infected, amen, by the experience of a sharp two-edged sword the lasting 
dating experience of this woman of folly, this alternate path is sharp as a two-edged sword. Someone say amen. Listen, whenever we're talking about woman folly, I'm not just talking to you and saying, well, she's a a seductress and adulteress uh, and you gotta watch out for lust. No, that's not my plea tonight, but she'll catch you with her words. She's influential with her words. I found people that even walk through bouts of depression, they have been listening to woman folly because she influences with her words. How? How can you be seduced by depression? Not because it's something that you want, but it'll start to make you think that's where you are. And listen, woman Paulie is seductive with your words. With her words, she'll make you think that you're depressed. She'll make you think that other people are talking about you. She'll make you, she'll do all types of measures. She'll make you think that you have no place in that church and there's no reason to go to church. She'll make you think that there's something going on in your family when there's nothing going on. She's seductive. She's a seducer. She's an influencer with her lips, with her words. They sound pleasant, yes. Maybe at times they do, but there's other times there's a hint of bitterness that will come that that's laced in those words amen she comes she's she's as a sharp two-edged sword in the last ending of her experience throughout the bible amen i told short help me jesus throughout the bible times swords were common weapon in battle archaeologists have recovered many swords from virtually every period of antiquity in hand-to-hand combat it was difficult to find a finer weapon than a sword a the woman of folly of proverbs has drawn her victims in and she's bringing them to her experience alongside her and her end is sharp as a two-edged sword which literally means bishop it is sharp as a sword of edges there have been discussions just i know oh god help me amen there have been discussions about which is sharper a single-edged sword or a two-edged sword They say that the number of edges doesn't change the sharpness. It's just that more of the sword is sharp. They say a two-edged sword can make extra cuts from more angles. Whereas a single-edged sword can only make cuts from a predetermined positioning of angles. Someone say amen. Can I tell you this tonight? That woman folly has a sharp two-edged sword, has more ways of harming you, more ways of injuring you than you realize she can cut in multiple directions, up and down, side to side if she wish. She can come at you from many different directions and harm you. She's not regulated just to one way into your life. Somebody hear me tonight. Because sometimes we think if I protect this area, then I'm good. If I protect this area, then I'm good. That's the only way that it will come. No, no, no. She can come from multiple directions, multiple angles. She is as a two-edged sword. Amen. She can come and literally with all these edges, uh, cut and harm and damage and influence. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. She can come at you from different angles. She's not regulated to one way. And just when you think you figured her out she'll attack from another angle that you didn't think was possible 
Hear me right now. Amen. She'll attack from another way because she's as sharp as a two-edged sword. The end of her experience is as that. A single-edged sword, just bear with me, is good, they say, at cutting. But a double-edged sword is good at thrusting. It's good at piercing. Amen. Through. It's good for attacking your the internal or the internal organs of your adversary. Amen. Those life-sustaining organs, it's good at piercing through. And so Lady Folly, amen, is not just interesting in mauling us and handicapping us. Listen to me well. She's in it for the kill. She's in it for the kill. And so this leaves us as mankind, as we read these passages of Scripture, and we understand the description of her, this leaves mankind in a dilemma because we've been entangled by our own desires all times. The Bible says that if any man sin, he sinned because of his own lust. He swept away by his own desires, his own wants. Our wants have been fed all times. We've been pampered in every area of our life by fall. It appeals to us. It appeases our human appetites or it exploits our insecurities. Amen. Through her words. It sounds good or it's made to sound good or correct. It looks good. But how can we escape if we want to? She's as a two-edged sword. We're in a battle experience whose end is as sharp as a two-edged sword. Someone say amen. Someone say she is as sharp as a two-edged sword. Seems like I was reading in my Bible one time, and I recall there's other verses about a two-edged sword. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We're dealing with an adversary tonight, amen, with a seducer of our lives, with influential words many times, whose end and the culminating finality, if you will, of everything is against us, and it's sharp as a two-edged sword. But those that have entrusted themselves to the word of God, those that have put to practice memory in their heart and mind the word of God, have something that been given to them and they have been equipped with a weapon that's not sharp as a two-edged sword but is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so I come on this Sunday night to tell someone not to lose hope and don't feel like doom and despair is your inheritance because I know there's a two-edged sword that's after you and that's nothing to trifle with but God has empowered you with his word. God has empowered you with his voice. God has empowered you with something that's sharper than any two-edged. Go on and give your talk, Lady Foley. Go on and bring your seduction. Go on and bring whatever it is you're trying to influence in my mind with your words. That is sharp at best, but I hold in my hand the word of God, and it is sharper than. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. 
You know what that tells me? If this is sharper than any two-edged sword, if that's where the comparison is, this cuts at many angles too. This influences at many degrees too. This comes from many directions too. That's a reason years ago, and Bishop sometimes still does it, people going through certain things needed joy, happiness, uplifted direction. He gave them a little promise, but you know it was filled with? Not antidotes made by man. It was filled with the word of God. If you feel depressed, read that verse, that verse, that verse. If you need joy, read that verse, that verse. What's going on? You're being equipped with something that's sharper than it. Sharper than depression. Sharper than entitlement. Sharper than, oh God, than lust. Sharper than seduction. Sharper sharper than self-pity and low self-esteem. Sharper. Someone say amen. It's the word of God. Woo. God's word is the weapon of all weapons. It's the tool of all tools. We must not underestimate the effectiveness of God's word. We tout, read the word every day. Why? Because you're imbuing your, your life with a weapon. That we are not refuting the fact there are sharp weapons out there. We're just claiming that ours is sharper. We're not saying you don't have hard times. And you're not seduced and you're not influenced and the honey doesn't drop on your ears and persuade. No, we're not saying any of that. We're just saying what we have is sharper. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. It is effective. No wonder the psalmist said, you know it from Psalms 119, which is all about this right here. Psalms 119, all those verses all about the word, the law, the precepts of God. It's about all of this. No wonder the psalmist said, thy word, you can quote it. Have I what? Hid in my where heart that I might what? Not sin against you. Why? The psalmist understood. If I can get the word in me, I have a sharper sword than anything about me. If I can get that, oh yeah. It works. This may be elementary to you all, but it works. You pray the word, you speak the word, it works. Man, I remember remember being just a teenager and I was driving back forth commuting for college and man, I was having all those panic attacks, sister. Panic attacks, brother, happening there. Man, I'd come out of classroom just totally under it all. I mean, I remember, I'm sincere. One night there was just a puddle of water. Many of you remember maybe that time in my life. There's a, just a puddle of water on the ground. I'm laying on the concrete outside of this college building, and I am cupping water from that puddle on my face because my fingers are numb, my head and my lips feel numb, and I feel like I'm about ready to go out and all this stuff, and it was a time. It would happen. Every time I went to school, my heart would start racing. It would start beating so much I pulled over and laid on top of my hood with passion buyers stopping and checking on me because of what was going on and you know what I did I got every scripture I could get my hands on about fear and about overcoming fear and I would pray them every day and I I don't know the last time in my life I've ever had a panic attack that's been years and years and years and years ago but what are you saying I'm saying I know it was sharp I know it was penetrating and would come upon me at the most unsuspecting times but there was something that I grabbed a hold of that was sharper that was sharper that might have been sharp as but this is sharper honey what you're going through tonight might be a sharp as but we got something that is sharper
I'll tell you what Lady Folly does. She tries to convince you, though, there's nothing sharper than what she's saying. There's nothing more intimidating than what she's relaying. And that's just a lie from the path that she's on. You need to understand, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. You need to understand, there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. You need to understand, when the enemy will come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will praise the standard against him. What is that? That's the word, and it's sharper. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light around about me. Sharper. Woo. Someone say amen. The success rate of our battle against sin of every type increases as we hide the word in our heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Someone say amen. Am I doing okay? I am sorry. I'm such a fool. Psalms 17 and 4, the psalmist says, concerning the works of men, it says, concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, the psalmist says, by the word of thy lips. He's crying out to God. He's saying, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me. I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Do you understand what's going on here? <laughs> the destroyer looking down on me, wishing to take me, wishing to ensnare me. But I've been kept by the words of why? Because it was sharper than what the destroyer had. Someone say amen. The, day the psalmist said in Psalms 119 and verse 92, he says, unless thy law had been my delights. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in my affliction. He says, I should have perished. But I came upon something sharper. I should not be standing here today with this testimony because it was prickly and it was sharp and I felt the edging of the blade upon my life but I remember I had something. Man, we need to be reassured tonight of God and his words. We understand, and this is nothing that most people don't know, but we understand in Jesus' own temptation or testing in the wilderness of 40 days and 40 nights in, in, in Luke 4, amen, that whenever the enemy said, Son of man, will you make these stones bread? He used the word, for it is written, amen. Whenever he said, I'll take you on this pinnacle of the temple, look around, if you will, and if you'll cast yourself down, amen, to the ground, amen, and then maybe your angels will bear you up, I don't know, he said no, no, for it is written, he told him, he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, he said no, and every time he used the word of God, because it didn't matter, the word is always sharper someone say amen in about central Argentina there's a man by the name of Diaz. Diaz Costa. He had a home invasion. He was 49 years old. He was a steel worker at a steel plant. 
49 years old, had a family. Had some people come in, several actually that came in to burglarize at the very wee hours of the morning his home and his abode. These people came in and they were armed with two pistols. Two pistols. And they began to take Diaz's wife and drag her into the other room. Something snapped in Diaz. When they weren't paying attention, he grabbed a samurai sword off his wall and went to fighting. And you may need to avert your eyes for some of these pictures if you could share tonight my car first. This is the car that the burglars fled in. Next picture. You might have to avert your eyes. This is one of the burglars. Next picture. This is another burglar. He took it off the wall. He injured his enemies' faces, their arms, their necks. Listen now, they had two pistols. Their arms, their faces, their necks. And one reported, as you see in the last picture, that it almost took off a guy's ear, off his head in these fights. They fled for their lives. They are armed with pistols. They fled for their lives from his house, gotten that getaway car that had blood all over it. And from the loss of blood that they had, they couldn't drive any longer. They had to get to the hospital. Went to the hospital, all of them. I think there was four of them completely. They were all in the intensive care unit because of their injuries. And the authorities began to talk to Diaz and they began to talk among themselves. It might be proper mode, uh, protocol. Maybe some of the first responders people here would know better than I. But they said they was going to have to do a psych evaluation on Diaz. Amen. Maybe been proper procedure, I don't know. Maybe in Argentina. But nonetheless... His relatives attested to the authorities this, that Diaz did not know any martial arts and that he just owned those swords as purely for decoration. A 17-year-old martial arts participant, professional, you might even call him, stated this concerning the whole happenings of Diaz and his burglary people. He said, for an untrained man with a decorated sword... He was pretty effective. He said, but of course the real point is this. He was committed fully to fight the battle. He said, imagine what he would have done if he actually knew what he was doing. <laughs> Honey, let me tell you something. You might not be as familiar with this as you would like to be. Or maybe you've laid it aside and you've not entertained and associated it with yourself as much as you'd want to be. But I am convinced tonight that if you pick this thing up in the middle of your mess, if you pick this thing up in the middle of your agony, in the middle of your despair, in the middle of your depression, in the middle of whatever it is, even an untrained hand wielding such a weapon, one that is sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe we can do damage on any enemy that walks in our house. I believe we can do any damage on any adversary that would encroach on our lives. And here's the question that I say. All we need is somebody with the word that has a commitment to the fight. Somebody armed with the word that's committed to go to war. You got your family to fight for. You got your soul to 
fight for. You have your mind to fight for. You have your... Here's the question tonight. If you can do that untrained, imagine what you can do if you read it every day. Imagine what you can do if you hide it in your heart. Imagine what you can do if you don't make it a pastime. You make it a lifetime. Imagine what you can do. Yes! Someone say amen. Somebody just got to pick it up. Oh, yes, I thought, oh, those, those swords, they look pretty, look kind of intimidating. Oh, they look nice on the wall. Yeah. And we also lay these on coffee tables. I remember when you couldn't almost go into a family's home without a family Bible on the coffee table. Yeah. Got the genealogy of their family in the front they've written in there. Pictures of Christ spread throughout it. I mean, you wanted it on one of those pages. Those were illustrated. Those were illustrated. But I wonder if someone could just pick something up that's just bestseller and has been for years and years. Right here. This is the number one bestseller year after year. But many homes, it's just a decoration in the house. Just a decoration in the house. And you're fretting about what's attacking you. And you're fretting about what's coming on you. And you're threatening. You, you feel threatened because of the influential voices in your head. You know what? Right in your own home. You have something sharper than. Right? This, you don't have to go through a certain program to acquire one of these. It's not like you have to go through certification in order to handle one of these. There's not a concealed carry for one of these. No, no, no. Anybody can pay the price, get a Bible, and Goodwill many times will give Bibles away. You just get your hands on one, hide it in your mind, hide it in your heart, and walk in victory. There's nothing this is sharper than any, than any. Somebody say than any, than any. And then go out to where the warfare is. Don't be on the Pray and commit yourself to the battle. You'll send them to the ICU with their pistols in hand. Someone say amen. There's been other people. I'm, I'm, I'm closing. You stand for me. You'll help me. I'm so sorry. Some have talked about the deadliness of a two-edged sword compared to a single sword or so and so forth. Just deadliness of swords in general. One professional said the deadliness is not determined by the sharpness of of the blade. The deadliness is not even determined by the number of edges. That the sword has. He said, but the true deadliness, absolute deadliness, he said, is attributed to the ability of or the familiar, familiarity of the user with the weapon. That guy, if he was trained, he'd, he'd like to have killed him. But he could only do what he do with the familiarity of what he had. But I'm telling you, you can get skilled enough in this right here. You can get skilled enough with this right here, Logan. You can kill any adversary. 
though armed, they'll tuck tail. We're not just working with Joe Blow down here the street. I've spied on him. Every morning he sits in his easy chair before work. And he's reading, wherefore is light given to him that is in misery. And life into a bitter soul. Or maybe it's every night as you sit in bed before you go to sleep. I've seen them crack that pup open. As kids we sing, look, it's in there. Right in the word of God. It works. This, the Hebrew says the worlds were framed. By the word of God. What? The worlds were framed. The Bible says in Psalms, he sent his word and did what? Healed. He healed them. What? You telling me that the word can even fight against sickness and disease? You've heard the stories years ago. Bishop knows, man, sometimes we just use the Bible and help pray for people. There are times in my life, in some of those moments, I slept with the word on my chest. Why? Because it's not sharp as. It's sharper than. He'll bring order back into he'll bring order back into chaos. It will. If we embow our heads all across this place tonight, there may be the voice of woman folly that's been speaking, influencing, seducing, wanting to make you her prey, and she the predator. She may be speaking words into you. Some of them may be pleasant. Some of them are laced, though, with the bitterness of wormwood. She's carrying your mind places it need not go, influencing your thoughts, making you think things that are not, think things are there that are not there, that exist, that do not exist, that was said, that was not said. And she's all doing that just because she needs a following on her path. She just needs a following on her demise. And yes, she is not anything to trifle with. She's as her end, the culmination of everything is as a two-edged sword, sharp as a two-edged sword. But God has given us his word from the very beginning of time from whence uh, Jewish rabbis and scribes first pinned it on parchment. For years it was just the word of God that was conveyed orally from one generation to another generation and then they get it on parchment and the Jewish people have protected it with their lives and Dead Sea Scrolls have been found in days with portions and parts of this word and we have it now in surplus in so many different translations at our fingertips and it's one of the most precious gifts that God has ever given to his people because of its 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 innate ability of being sharper than any two-edged sword so you just name name your adversary name your enemy name whatever it is that's been attacking you influencing you persuading you and you just carry that word Hallelujah, Brother McGee. I don't know. I don't know as many verses as you do. That's all right. It doesn't matter. You got to start somewhere. 
You got to start somewhere. Start tomorrow. Amen. Start tomorrow. Because listen, if you make a daily practice of ingesting this word, it won't be something you always got to look to. It'll be right there in your head and right there in your heart. And in the moment that it's needed, it'll be on the tip of your tongue. Amen. Hallelujah. It will be readily available. Amen. For what you have need of in your life. These altars are open this evening. I'm asking, is there anybody here that will commit to the fight? And I'm saying commit to the fight, not with an empty head. Hand, but with a hand that's full of the word of God he's equipped us he shared with us if it framed the worlds I think it can bring some structure I think it can bring if you will some order to our everyday lives sir or ma'am let it not be a decoration sir or ma'am let it not just be another book on the shelf this is sharper than sharper than come on what you been battling what have you been fighting what have you been up against what has been pursuing you what has been calling to you what's been intimidating you you need to hold up that word of God tonight because it's sharper than any sharp it comes from different angles it can do different things it's multi-versatile it can do it it can do it it will just put it into practice become skilled in the word let's talk to God right now he's able There's a chapter out of Psalms I really wanted to read tonight. It's not very long. Is this all right? I'm not trying to prolong something, but I want us to do something here in the end. Say, oh, you're foolish. That's all right. It says, Psalms 149 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises in the hymn with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord take a pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Look at verse number 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. For what reason? To execute vengeance upon the heathen 
and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye. Here's what I want us to do. Feel a little bit of bishop on me here tonight. Here's what I want us to do. Verse number six says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword. I want you to grab your Bible if you got one. If you don't, you got an electronic phone device. That will suffice. Grab the sword. We're going to worship. Why? Because in doing so, this is executing vengeance. Sharper! This is executing vengeance. Huh? We sing, oh, song, oh, camp many days. I'm dancing on the grave of my enemy. I'm dancing on the trouble that was troubling me. Huh? Didn't know what to do, but Jesus Christ has. Jesus Christ has brought me through what? I'm going to give high praise. And I'm going to have a hand, my hand on a two-edged sword. And we're going through the power of the Spirit and the Word. Execute vengeance to bind the enemies and the chains that would bind us. To execute judgment on what's been troubling us. Can we sing right now? Can we lift our Bibles in the air? This is the Word of God, the forever settled Word. Not one jot or tittle is going to pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word shall stand forever. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the Word, all of that is Scripture. All of that's in your Bible. right there we're gonna sing this verse I'm just going back through my head years ago first church years ago first church I'm not here to frighten anybody you might think I'm a wacko but I was there first church first church there's a woman that was coming to church her husband didn't come to church kind of really a strange relationship Bishop's not here he got to test everything I'm saying right now but Fred you might have been there if I remember I don't know I know Mike was you were there we had doors we got word somehow that he was going to come to the church and wreak some havoc. We was already in church service. Church was going on. We had, we had double back doors, maybe five or six panes of glass in each of them going up. You remember this, don't you? This guy just wasn't problems, but he was under the influence of demonic powers. Say what you will. It's in your Bible. It happened. It, it still happened. He busted the glass on the panes in the double back doors with his fist. Unlocked it himself because we had locked it because we had heard the possibility. Unlocked it. Blood was slinging around on pews. He was trying to go after that sweet wife of his. She had, two, she had a young boy. I'll never forget it. I remember dad praying. I specifically remember brother Fred him grabbing his Bible. I do. And he just laid it on that man. 
and that man went down to the ground like he couldn't get up because there was this weight of God's word I'm telling you the truth he was down on the ground with that and you could see him trying to get up but he couldn't and didn't until the word was lifted off his back I don't care what you're facing it's sharper than you say I got a weighty matter there's something weightier it's real it's effective it's powerful I wish somebody would commit to the battle commit to the battle take your word in your head and come Satan would lie Satan will try his very best to war Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.